Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. Mark Wayne Mullen, you're back, which is great, but you're wearing a dress shirt and a tie, which is super offensive. I thought you were going to wear the official uniform of Undaunted Life, a man's podcast from here on out, but I didn't get to make fun of you off air because we're both busy today. Why are we both so important? Uh, Because, I mean, look at your ratings. Your ratings are just going through the roof. I mean, you're a stud. Uh, it's really not because of what you say. It's how you look, evidently. That's right. I mean, people just love the fact that I'm basically a big walking, talking, recessive gene. And then they feel so bad for me that they share my opinions with other people that are in their life, which is awesome. So, right. And then when they look at you like, oh, that's a Viking. That's right. I mean, who doesn't like Vikings? Hey, right? that's my that's my jujitsu nickname. Uh, Andre Galvao gave me that nickname because I was like a six month white belt and I looked all disheveled with a big beard and he just looked at me and said Viking. So it stuck. So it's an appropriate nickname. But last time uh, we had you on the show, we obviously talked about you going viral as Senate hearing and you kind of went mini viral again here recently because there was another Senate committee hearing, the EPW committee hearing, and it was on the impacts of plastic production and disposal because that's definitely at the top of everybody's mind right now. So you had an interaction with a gal named Angel, Angel, Angelica, something like that, Bradford. We'll call her Miss Bradford. And one of the first questions you asked her was, what's going to replace your glasses? So you fill in the gaps on that story. But my question is, is why are you so mean, Mark Wayne Mullen? And why didn't you invite her to a fist fight on the Senate floor? Well, she's, first of all, she's, she was, she was polite and she was sweet. <laughs> yes. Um, but I would say a little naive. Naive. I, I don't want to be. I don't want to be mean to her, but yes, yeah, something like that. Listen, she was the Democrats' expert on on banning uh, plastics. She was their environmentalist. She's actually a professor who was teaching a class at a school I'll leave unnamed, and uh, and she was talking about the the uh, environmental quality and the injustice of the plastic industry. That was literally what her what her, her class was. And, and so why I'm, I'm sitting there watching her throughout the process, and then I heard her five-minute testimony, I, I looked at it and I thought, that's, that's very hypocritical that you're saying that you're wanting to ban all plastics. And so the first question I asked her, which, you, you know, you're never really supposed to ask a question unless you know the answer. But I, I just kind of, I just threw my script out of the way and I said, ma'am, what are your glasses made out of? And she says, I don't know. And I, I said, what? You don't know? She says, I don't know. I said, it's made out of plastic. She says, I don't think they are. And I says, yes, they are. They're made out of plastics. And then I said, well, what's your phone made out of? And she says, it's not plastic. And I said, are you kidding me? Your phone is made out of plastic. There's no question about it. And then I talked to her about her cup. And she says, my cup's not plastic. This isn't plastic. I said, ma'am, your lid is plastic. 
And I just went through the process. I talked about our having petroleum products, which is plastic in your clothes. We all have those class. If your clothes aren't stretchy, then maybe you don't. But most clothes, like most people want their clothes a little stretchy right now. Mm-hmm. They have a petroleum-based product in them. They're, they have plastic in them. And, and everything, the, the vehicle you ride in is made out of plastic. And what my point was at the end of it, I said, ma'am, if, you, if, if this is what you believe, then don't use plastic. Live it. That means walk on wooden shoes mm. and, uh, and 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 wear, I guess, leather clothes, all leather clothes with furs, which, wait, wait a second, the environmentalists don't want you to cut down trees and they don't want you killing animals either. So I don't know what you're wearing. I guess you're going to wear plant-based. And the last time I checked, plant-based clothing isn't really, doesn't really hold up that well. Mm. And, and so it was just the point of just trying to expose the hypocrisy of these environmentalists that they don't think beyond today they think just based on emotion because they thought beyond today they'd realize that the thing very thing that they're protesting they are using and contributing to every single day well it's it's not just emotion it's also ideology and so they are slaves to their ideology for the things that they want to say it's kind of like when people talk about the types of cars you should drive hey don't drive an H2 Hummer don't drive a you know a crew cab Silverado you know drive this this hybrid and then you break Why it down okay i drive Fords so let's use F250s explore you know, Bronco, something like that. Hey, right? I got a joke for you. Uh, what do you call a Ford truck with dual exhaust? Uh, what? A wheelbarrow because it always, it always stops running. And so that's the thing. So we'll keep using Chevys as examples, but then you see these cars that are battery operated or these hybrids. And when you do the carbon footprint analysis, they have a higher carbon footprint because of what it had, what the process it had to go through to even be made. You would have to drive it like 5 million miles to have it even out, you know, with, you know, with a big old truck, a dually that gets like 10 miles to the gallon. An electric vehicle is used Tesla, for instance. A Tesla vehicle uses two and a half times the emissions of a combustible motor through its life lifespan. Mm. Uh, and and by the way, an electric vehicle is eighty percent less reliable than a combustible motor, uh, just because of the components. I mean, you just think about this. Uh, how long ago? How long did your TVs used to last when they were when they were glass tubes? Yeah, forever. Yep. How long does your TV last today? Uh, the, the number one problem you have with your vehicles isn't the motor anymore. It's the electric components inside of the, inside the vehicle. Right. So, and so you can imagine your entire vehicle being electric, you're going to have more problems with it. Now they'll eventually get better, but the, the emissions come from not the vehicle itself. It's from, it's from extracting, uh, those rare earth minerals that they have to take get. And by the way, the rare earth minerals are not being from the United States. Most of them are being coming from China. Right. And so not only do they have to extract them, which China really doesn't have good environmental laws anyways, but if you just, if you just use the fact that they do use the same environmental laws we have, which they don't because if they, if they did, they wouldn't be able to mine because if we could mine, we could probably actually get it from the United States, but just right. say that they do. The, not to mention, then they got to ship it all the way across the ocean to get to us, which doesn't come on electric vehicle, by the way, or an electric ship. And then it's got to be shipped all the way to the factory. Then it's got to be refined and then it's got to be brought down. Then it's got to be put in the vehicle. Oh, and then you're not even discussing the disposal part of it. You actually can't dispose of the batteries in, a, in a, an environmental friendly way. They are absolutely non-recyclable. So then they have a lifetime of an impact on the environment after you get rid of the battery 
and the batteries will only last two to three years. And we haven't even talked about how we're going to start disposing of these batteries yet. And so this, so you talk about the ideological reasons behind it, but really you can't say that because it's not even that it's a feeling because there's no common sense. There is Mm -hmm. absolutely no idea or no rational reason why they would want to go down this path other than it's feel good. One, it's, it's a soft-headed approach, but again, you get to pretend to be virtuous by saying, hey, I care about the trees or I care about the oceans or something like that without any regard for the actual second, third, and fourth wave issues that would come off of that particular right. ideology. So another thing that's happening right. on the Hill right now is we've got all this talk about funding. And so we're seeing these bills getting bandied about in the Senate and also uh, in the House, and everyone's trying to get Israel funding, but somehow that has to also be attached to funding for Ukraine, which has to be attached to funding for Taiwan and has to be attached to funding for border security. Now, I'm just a simple guy, right? I don't wear ties every day. I don't have flags behind me. I'm just simple, right? I'm just simple. I'm just saying. As I do, pal, as soon as the show over, you go and put your pajamas on with a tie. I don't even have pants on right now, so I don't know what you're talking about. But the problem that we see here on our end, all of us people down here looking up at all you superiors, is why can't we just have each one of these things be voted on based on their own merits? Now, I know enough about politics to know why omnibus bills are passed. But at the same time, it's very, very frustrating as a voter and as a taxpayer that we're considering all of these things together as opposed to them on their individual merits. Ready, set, go. All right. So uh, we're all our founding fathers want us to be representatives and senators from different walks of life. They didn't want a ruling class. So we don't have the same mindset and things that we deal with in Oklahoma are different than what they deal with in Massachusetts. And the things we deal with in Oklahoma is different than what they deal with in California, even different than what they deal with in Texas and Kansas. So we all have all these different ideas that we all do one thing. We're all supposed to represent our backyard. So our constituents elect us to represent them. And so with that thought process, what's important to me isn't important to them. So what's important to Texas, what's important to to New Mexico, what's important to other border states by border security, they don't care about. But then you start talking about maybe the East Coast and the West Coast, where they may have a high population of Ukrainians, or they may have a high Muslim base, um, or they have a high high, um, uh, Jewish community then those individuals, they're, they're representing that constituent base. And so not one is important to everybody. So you have the collection of all come together and that's where negotiations are important. And so if you can't get one of them passed, you combine them together to get them passed because Ukraine, the support for Ukraine, Ukraine, or Ukraine, for Ukraine wouldn't be able to pass by itself. The sport, honestly, just for Israel, wouldn't be able to support by itself. There's not enough there, and neither will border. But if you combine them, you get a collection of people from California, from Massachusetts, Maine, Florida, Texas, Oklahoma, and everybody else that say, this issue is important to me, and so I'm going to support it even though I may not like a third of it. I like two-thirds of it. Okay, so with that in mind, if each one of these individual bills or potential laws were not able to stand on their own two feet, is that not a good indication that that's just not really something that the American populace cares about? Because if if yeah, all of America can't get behind this to a degree to where it could pass either chamber of Congress, then maybe we shouldn't pass it. Well, you've never had a perfect bill that everybody wants to support. Sure. That doesn't, that, that doesn't exist. I mean – 
They, they just that that process, the way you're thinking, sounds good in a business atmosphere. It doesn't sound good when you're talking about individuals that's going to make this vote. Um, there's there there the the bill the bill would just be blocked. It would never come up. Uh, there it may not ever come because you can't get enough signature on this to bring it up. It may not, and it doesn't mean that people aren't okay with it. They are just wanting to negotiate more because they're wanting something out of this too. If you want my vote, then this is what it's going to take. So. If you try to bring that up by itself, most of the stuff would never get passed. It, 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 you just aren't going to get a collection of enough people to get anything at all done. Now, that doesn't mean that supporting Ukraine isn't important. As I've talked to you about it before, the Budapest Memorandum said that we're going to be there. That was signed in January of 94. If Ukraine gave up their nuclear weapons, then uh, the United States said, we'll be there for you in the case that, that you get invaded specifically by Russia. Russia wouldn't have invaded Ukraine if they still had, if they were still a nuclear power. So we're obligated by there. Israel, we have a memorandum signed with them too that we would support them. They're our largest and biggest allies in the Middle East. They are vitally important to us. Not to mention, the Bible says that a, a nation that stands with Israel is a best blessed nation. I don't take that for granted. I I believe that wholeheartedly. And then our border is the most pressing issue we have, national security speaking. But you have a bunch of Democrats that don't care about the border, and they that will never. You have Chuck Schumer and you have you have Biden in office. So let's talk about the border itself. It's important to you and I, right? Mm, of course. It's. Do you believe it's probably one of the biggest national security issues we're facing right now? If not the biggest, I think it is the biggest. Right? We've caught 151 known terrorists, not terrorist watch list. 151 known terrorists on our border in the last 12 months. Um, yeah, it's a huge national security risk. So the Biden administration is not going to touch that. No way, no how, they're not going to bring it because the Democrats want an open border. They, they, remember, they could have fixed the border if they wanted to when Chuck Schumer was in charge with Nancy Pelosi and Schumer in the House. So the first two years, or not Schumer, but Biden in the House, the first two years, they could have fixed it if they wanted to. They don't, they're not even talking about amnesty. They want a complete open border. That's what they want. Well, the Republicans are sitting here going, hmm, want to control one leg of a three-legged stool. So the only way that we're going to be able to get border security is we're going to hold up funding for Ukraine and for Israel and say that all three of them need to be put on one package. That's how we. That's how you're able to get stuff done. So you and I believe that border should be able to stand by itself, but there's no way it'll pass up here. So we can only attach it to something that's important to them. Well, it's the difficulty of being an ideological purist versus being an actual lawmaker. So it's very easy for a podcaster to be ideologically pure and say, this is my red line and I'm not going to pass it. But when you're creating law in a system that is a constitutional republic, it's a little bit more difficult than that. So you already touched on the on the border crisis stuff, and so we won't get into any more detail. But the last thing I'll say to throw out there, I think part of the confusion – there's not really a, a moderates in America anymore, but even people that just don't fully understand what's happening in Ukraine, what's happening uh, with Russia, they've never heard of the Budapest Agreement or they, they don't know anything about anything that was signed in the past. What some people have been sold is this idea that, look, America needs to do whatever it takes to prop Ukraine up as long enough to basically decimate the Russian military capacity, which is basically where we're at now. They are They've literally lost... Uh, an unbelievable amount of their military. They're conscripting military workers from prisons and, you know, old people and young people. And they're just basically tossing them uh, into trenches as, as if it's world war one. So as an American, 
if we're looking for an off-ramp, what is the off-ramp exactly? Is it when we feel like Russia's completely decimated, when we're, we feel like there's been a break in this uh, you know trench warfare style that we see going on, when Russia is overtaken by Ukraine? As an American, when can I feel good with us not funding that war anymore? Well, we're, we're the United States, we're not trying to decimate the, the Soviet Union or Russia's, because <laughs> I might as well just say the Soviet Union. <laughs> sure. Um, because that's how they're acting. But you're, we're not trying to decimate Russia's army. That wasn't the goal. We're just trying to put them back in the hole, back in the box they came from. Uh, get out of Ukraine. So what is what does victory look like? Is basically what you're asking. Uh, and as far as far as the way Russia's fighting the war, they're far from being uh, out of this war. I mean, they the way they fight wars is just with their fight. It's how they're fighting. They've never had a regard. For human life. That's not what a dictatorship is. They don't care about the individual. They'll send wave after wave after wave of individuals. That's how they've always fought wars. And that's how they're going to continue to fight wars. Human human life, the 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 collateral damage means nothing. Zero zilch to them. So um, it's what their industrial complex looks like. Their industrial complex is very strong still yet in Russia. And their economy is still strong. So what does victory look like? Well, victory looks like some people in Crimea, going pushing Russia all the way back into Crimea. But remember, Crimea is part of Ukraine. Russia invaded Ukraine in 2014 and stopped where they're at right now. And so Crimea is technically illegal land taken by um, taken by Putin. And it, from 2013 to 2014, we had, remember, Obama in office that time, and he was not very happy at the fact that uh, that Trump could possibly win and he didn't want to go any farther and, and test it. So he stopped. If Trump wouldn't have won, they would have already done this a long time ago. So victory, some people say victory, especially Republicans say victory should just push them back out of where they're at, put them back the line of 2014. If you're Ukraine, though, you're going to hold on a second. If I'm going to fight this war. Um, if I'm going to fight this war, then I want to make sure that they we get them completely out of Ukraine. So we would support them all the way to the point to where where they claim victory or until they reach their own border with Russia. The minute they go into Russia, we'll be done. That's not our responsibility anymore. Our responsibility is to help them push back an invading force specifically in Russia. And so that's where we would say we're, we're done. Now, I do want to I do want to hit some numbers for your listeners once again. I know we hit the border, but I want to hit it one more time just for pe- listeners to understand what type of numbers we're dealing with on the southern border. During the Obama administration, when they claimed we had a border crisis, they said we had a crisis. Their own uh, 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 their own uh, border agent or not border agent, their own chief of the border at the time said that they had a crisis, and at that time they were claiming twenty one thousand asylum seekers. Uh, a year, a year hmm. from 2010 to 2014, 2015, we averaged 21,000 asylum seekers a year. We're doing that now under the Biden administration every other day, every other day. So this is how big of an issue the border is. That's why we're trying to negotiate this and why we're not saying that we know we can't let it stand by itself. And that's why we're negotiating on a greater package. Well, I'm always left at the end of our time somewhat dissatisfied because I have so many more questions, but neither one of us have time. You got to go uh, beat somebody up at the Senate. And crush on me, and you want to spend more time with me. Just admit it, Kyle. Well, that's exactly why the next time you see my face, which will be approximately this time next month, I will be in a suit and tie and maybe even a top hat. So don't <laughs> get too excited. <laughs> I'm just saying, don't be surprised if that happens. Mark Wayne, thanks again for coming yeah. on. See you, Kyle.
Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five-star review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook and check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. And also we want to thank the band Holy Name for allowing us to use their music for our content. The music on this podcast is their song Perpetual which is off their self-titled debut album on Face Down Records. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep pushing back darkness, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience, keep seeking the Lion of Judah. <laughs>